Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Remarkably Us, the podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Roan, sober gal living in Southern California. And you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to jump right into it today. Your girl, I'm, sit- I'm caffeinated. I am inspired. I am rested. I am ready to do this. This is the last episode ever. I'm just kidding. You didn't get rid of me that easily. This is the last episode of my wholehearted inventory assessment. Again, if you have not listened to the last two episodes uh, for, I went over guideposts one through seven um, of my wholehearted inventory assessment. This is an assessment from Brene Brown. And if you have been listening to me, following me, you know that her work is extremely important to me. Her podcasts, her books, uh, you know, all of her, her audiobooks, her literature, it just really has um, been an instrumental part in where I am right now, you know, over the last, over the last couple of years, it's, you know, her work has really kind of taken me on this journey. So anyways, so from her last, uh, from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, which came out 10 years ago, she made a, uh, a 10th anniversary edition with some new tools and, um, you know, in additions to add in, you know, another decade of research. So I recently read this maybe four or five months ago, and then she did a series on her podcast with her sisters, and they went through all these guideposts, and so I thought, you know, what a great idea, Um, you know, so I'm kind of, right, doing the same thing. So we went through guideposts one through seven in the last two, um, split those into the last two episodes, so if you haven't gone and listened to them, please listen Um, And then also I recommend taking this inventory quiz as well and following along kind of with me. If you go to BreneBrown.com and click on the top right, the the gifts hub there, if you scroll down, you'll see the link to take the uh, to take the assessment. And so I recommend take it, see where you fall on these guideposts and then go through them with me, you know, as I talk about kind of where I fall on them. And, uh, you know, the things that I deal with in each of these guideposts, you can do the same because you know what, we're going on this journey together. All right. There's three guideposts left that I want to talk about today. And (laughs) (laughs) so I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, the guidepost eight is letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle and cultivating calm and stillness. Guidepost nine is letting go of self-doubt and supposed to and cultivating meaningful work. And guidepost 10 is letting go of being cool and always in control (laughs) and cultivating laughter, song, and dance. So I got my book. Um, I got my book, The Gifts of Imperfection, open, and I just well, I got my coffee with a little bit of cream in it because I do let myself put cream in my coffee um, on the weekends, you know, because for like a little treat. Normally, I drink it black, but on the weekends, like a little little oat milk in my in my coffee. And let's um let's get let's jump right into it. So, 
Guidepost eight is letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle and cultivating calm and stillness. I am just under the halfway mark here. So I'm closer to living anxiety as a lifestyle than I am. I'm closer to that than I am to cultivating calm and stillness. I'm not super far left, but I'm pretty, I'm still like a, a smidge closer to that than I am to common stillness. So not as low as some of my other ones, but still a little bit low. This is, this is really hard. For, I feel like that's what I'm saying on all these guideposts. This is really hard for me. Have you guys caught the, uh, uh, you know, the, the flow or the hint that, yeah, things are, uh, things are a little hard for me sometimes. I got a lot of struggles, but live anxiety as a lifestyle. I am an, I am an anxious person and I know I shouldn't use that language. I should be like, you know, I'm letting go of being an anxious person, but your bitch is anxious. I'm an anxious bitch. Um, I think I, one, I, anxiety runs in my family and, um, I just looking at my family, even if they don't think, no, they have anxiety. I'm like, you're anxious. <laughs> so not only, you know, my kind of anxiety and depression that kind of, um, you know, gets handed down. Uh, I also, I think a lot of my anxiety stems from control, um, which is also one of these guideposts that I'll, t- I'll dive into a little bit more, but I think a lot of my anxiety stems from my perfectionism tendencies and my need to control things. So I want to be perfect. I want my days to be perfect. I want to do perfect things. I want to live perfectly. And I want to know what's happening next because of so much of my life was spent constantly moving, um, lots of unknowns, um, things just kind of up in the air a lot. It felt like a lot of questions, a lot of, I, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen next. Some, you know, through some, some big parts of my life, uh, I try to control everything and I'm very, very, I control my life down to an absolute T, which if anyone knows, I I don't know, fucking anything about life. You cannot control every aspect of your life, but damn, do I try. (laughs) So I, in the past have thought that I, I tried to cure my anxiety by uh, busying myself or controlling even more. That's like my absolute go-to. So it says, um, she says in this book, she brings out, um, you know, a kind of a, uh, you know, people that have anxiety, you either, your response to anxiety is either over-functioning or under-functioning. So obviously over-functioners 
right? Really quick to give advice, like rescue, take over, micromanage, <laughs> get into other people's business. <laughs> so um, if any of you know me personally, I just saw those things, right? Give it, I just read those things, give advice, rescue, take over, micromanage and get in other people's business. <laughs> that is, that is Shelly. That is just, if, if anyone said, you know, right, describe Shelly, they, those would probably be some of the, the words that, that are used. So that's an overfunctioner. And that is me. I respond to anxiety as 100% overfunctioning. And I always did that as a kid. That's how I responded to anxieties, to unknowns, to uncertainty. I overfunction. I take over. I want to rescue. I absolutely micromanage. Um, I just come take complete and full control. That is my response to pretty much anything. Underfunctioners tend to retreat, tend to get less competent and avoidant during like high levels of stress and anxiety. So definitely, oh, you know, um, inviting, you know, others to take over. Uh, sometimes Brene Brown talks in her book about this being labeled as the irresponsible one or the fragile one. And neither of these are good or bad, right? Neither of them are not over-functioning is not better than under-functioning or vice versa. They are both coping mechanisms, right? They're both responses and very exaggerated responses. So I think that in my case, over-functioning, it has, it is very, very difficult for me to sit still. Like I, I do not sit well. I have been learning over the past, you know, three years or so, um, you know, since I started really incorporating yoga and meditation. And honestly, I swear that is, and when I'm reading or writing, reading, writing, um, or doing yoga or meditating, those are the only times I'm still, unless I'm passed out because <laughs> I'm fucking exhausted and I need to, it's definitely going to be a goal of mine to cultivate more calm and stillness because I'm really busy. I am, I have a very busy life. I do a lot of things. And so I think that I need to cultivate more calm and stillness. I do a pretty good job. I um, I've been slipping off of the meditation, um, a little bit lately. Just, I feel like the last, the last couple of weeks and even into the last couple of months, I've just, just been feeling a little like, ah, just off. And so I think I need to, in the past when I felt this, right. Um, I guess you could call it, I, I might be slipping a little bit into a, a mini bout of depression. Um, because I just, I, it's kind of like I wake up in the morning and I don't feel anything. <laughs> I'm not like motivated and I'm not really happy. I'm just like, ugh, you know, um, 
And so in the past, that makes me anxious, right? So I'm anxious because I'm kind of depressed. And so I'm like, what is wrong with me? And so I, then I just do, I overfunction and I just shove more onto my plate. And I'm like, we will overcome. And I think now I'm learning that I have to, yes, that's important, right? So I need to find ways to get inspired. I need to kind of, I, <laughs> I bought a new planner. So, which is, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, so I bought a new planner. I'm kind of revisiting my goals and just looking at like, all right, let's shift some things. Let's, let's clear the slate and start over. Where am I at right now? What's my current state? What do I want? What should I do next? And doing that as well as making sure that I really kind of ramp up my calm and stillness time for myself. I don't want to do any that with anyone else. And I don't necessarily really, uh, recommend having your calm and stillness time to be with someone else. I recommend this to be your alone time. So, uh, even going for a walk, I know that's not technically still, but if it's a kind of a slower walk, um, no phone, maybe some like low music, um, this is nothing to like really amp up your brain. So basically like a moving meditation. Um, so not like listening to a podcast or thinking about what you have to do next or setting new goals. You have time for that. Calm and stillness is exactly that. It is calm and it's stillness. It's getting on your mat or sitting on the floor, close your eyes. If you're religious, this is praying. This is uh, this is just sitting and connecting to something bigger, connecting to yourself. Um, when I meditate and I need to kind of detox meditate, which is this sort of along this lines, right? Cultivating some sense of calm and stillness and letting go of a lot. I, I picture a white, not even a white room, no walls, just like white space. And I picture just kind of like gold light, um, you know, flowing through the space and kind of flowing around me and in me. And I just, I picture it just cleansing all of that shit out. Um, just feeling calm, not allowing myself to think about what I have to do next um, you know, what I still need to take care of on my to-do list, just being mindful. And I swear, I, this is, this is a practice, gratitude practices, mindfulness practices, a meditation practice, a yoga practice. I want to reinforce that this is a, these are practices, which means you have to continuously practice them. You have to continuously do them. You cannot sit once a year for five minutes and cultivate a life of calm and stillness. You have to incorporate that into your daily life. You, it is so important to sit still and quiet once a day, at least. And I know, girl, you, you're like, who are you talking to? <laughs> the pot cut on the kettle black. I know. It's tough for me, especially when I'm on the go and I, 
I haven't been spending a lot of time alone lately. The last week I, I spent some good time alone, but I've been just back and forth to, to different people's houses. And I don't spend as much time alone as I'm used to. And so I have to really be mindful that the times that I am alone, that this is probably the only chance you're going to get to be alone today. Sit, turn off your phone and sit for 10 minutes. Um, otherwise you're not going to be able to get it in. Just do it. And I always feel better. What's 10 minutes of your fucking day? Nothing. So anyways, let me, I could, I could talk about this one for just a whole episode. I, yeah, I'm really anxious. So this is definitely something I want to work on throughout the next year is making sure that I'm constantly doing things and, you know, having these practices and instilled in my daily life to cultivate just a really good sense of calm and stillness. Stop looking at my fucking, when I get super anxious, I'm looking at my planner every 10 minutes. I swear I'm making lists after lists, after lists, after lists, the same one over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm a fucking psychopath. So I have to physically, I have to like stop myself from doing that and say, you know what you have to do today. It is fine. Just do it. Take it one step at a time and we'll figure it out, but just fucking calm down. (laughs) So that's guidepost eight. I'm getting there. Guidepost nine is cultivating meaningful work, letting go of self-doubt and supposed to. I am just a smidge. I'm exactly the same on this one than I am the the next one, which is called uh, letting go of being cool and always in control, which is just like a smidge over the middle. So a little bit more close to what I, you know, cultivating meaningful work and laughter and song and dance Um, closer to that than what I need to let go of, right? Self-doubt and supposed to. So meaningful work is something that I actually think I pretty well. I understand pretty well. So cultivating meaningful work is really, this is like a foundation of what you need to live a wholehearted life, right? It's having something called meaningful work. Feeling something like feeling a really, really great and immense sense of accomplishment and purpose from the work that you do. Right now, this can get hard. And Brene goes on to kind of talk about this is tough because encompassed in meaningful work, you have right? Your gifts and your talents and spirituality and commitment, but you also have making a living 
and supposed tos and self-doubt that are really entangled in meaningful work. So I think that for me, especially since I have really, I've been diving into, I, you know, I've had a career for a few years now, and then also having this, I'm beginning to understand where my strong suits are, where my gifts and where my talents lie. And what really, really fills me with a sense of purpose when I feel accomplished, when I feel like I've accomplished something, like I have a purpose and this is it. Now, I think that, and what she talks about is that there a lot of times and for a lot of people, what you feel as your tremendous sense of purpose and what brings you that spirituality and that connection and that, that well-rounded life is not what pays the bills. And so for me, I totally get that, right? So let's say this, this, for example, this podcast, uh, writing, the things that I do connecting to other people, hearing people's stories, listening to people, talking to people. I think that my purpose, part of my purpose is that, right. It is sharing my story and also letting people know the importance of telling your story, being open and being vulnerable and sharing how, you know, where that has gotten me and kind of this journey so far, right. Uh, bringing people together and, you know, letting people know that you are definitely not alone. And, you know, people go through, you have no idea how many people are going through something similar to what you're going through at all times. And so, you know, just that our, our purpose of, 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 as humans is to tell our story, to share and, and to laugh with one another and to connect, right? I feel such an immense purpose to do that, to share my words and, you know, and then listen to other people's. I also find a really big sense of accomplishment and purpose in my work and my job. Um, I... I love working on different projects. I love finding the, you know, have seeing an issue and, and being able to resolve it and finding the, you know, the underlying like root cause to a problem and being able to bring people to, again, being able to bring people together and, you know, have these great, you know, these great conversations and make improvements and make people happy and make people kind of enjoy their work that they do. I love doing that. So that has been good for me. What has been good for me is understanding and knowing what my gifts and what my talents are and how those are linked to what I want to do and who I want to be and what what I want to put out into the world. And that is really great. But 
there is still a big sense of self-doubt and supposed to, right? Um, that's constantly kind of back in my mind. And I think the supposed to a lot of times it deals with my position or the amount of money that I make, right? I'm 28. So I'm supposed to be making so much more money than I'm making. I'm 28. So I'm supposed to be at this position up here. Um, I'm supposed to be doing this right now. Why am I not there? And then kind of doubting myself, like, why is it taking me so long to get there? Um, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe. And, the, and those sort of things. Right. So they're all kind of together a little bit. That's hard. Um, but I think that overcoming it, it's been really important for me to voice that for the first time ever to voice like, Hey, I'm feeling really shitty about myself right now. I'm feeling, I, you know, I have, um, this friend that just accomplished this huge thing and I'm like not anywhere near that. And I'm feeling really shitty about myself. It's actually speaking that because as soon as I say it, I'm like, (laughs) you are not that person. You are you and you have a path and you have a journey that is your own, you know? So acknowledging the messages is a better way to not give that message power anymore, to take power over that message and flip it, understand it and say, I get it. I see that I am feeling I'm living in comparison and I'm living in self-doubt right now, but I'm going to find a way out of this and I'm going to do this thing anyways. And understanding the fact that you can be whatever you want to be cultivating meaningful work for you. It doesn't have to be in one thing, right? Making sure that your purpose is being met. It doesn't have to be from one thing. I get meaning out of my work in both my job, my career, and also my brand and my podcast and my writings. I get meaning out of both of those things. So find what, find, find your power. And Find what inspires you. What's, what did you want to be when you grew up? How can you incorporate that into your life now to incorporate meaning? So I think those are, that's what I'll take away from, that's what I'll take away from that one. The last one, guidepost 10. This is letting go of being cool and always in control (laughs) and cultivating laughter, song, and dance. I'm so I'm the same exact weight um, where place in this guidepost, um, which is about a little over halfway. Mm. 
I just talked about, <laughs> I just talked about always being in control. I, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I have wanted to fit in since I can remember. And I've talked in the past, I talked, I've talked a lot about not feeling like I fit anywhere, you know, not feeling like I not just not feeling like I fit and how that made me want to be perfect and always be the cool kid. Right. I never wanted anyone to think of me as uncool. I always just, I just wanted to fit in. I wanted people, I wanted to be seen. And then that mixed with my right control freak uh, mindset. Yeah, this is, this is something that's been really tough for me to overcome. Kind of this like letting go of controlling of control and being cool and cultivating a life of not giving a shit. And when I tell you I have been, this is new for me. Um, I would say I haven't started to really embrace this God, I honestly think it's probably been the last year. And right. So when I say like recently, I mean like recently, um, I've started to, because I think I first, so first I needed to meet myself. So I say, I say when I got sober, when I stopped drinking back in 2019, it was like meeting myself for the very first time. And that was fucking terrifying. Um, I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted. I had no idea who I wanted to be. It was just, it was kind of like meeting me as a kid again, you know, and being like, fuck, I'm sorry. You know, kind of having a conversation with like child me saying like, I fucked up, you know? Like, I let you, I let you go and I I let you down. And I spent a lot of years not listening to you and what you wanted and what you needed. And I'm sorry. And I want to make it better. I want to make things better. So I think you know, the last couple, the last three years I've been, you know, really trying to figure out who I am and, you know, figure out, God, what do I like? (laughs) What do I not like? When I, you know, get to know someone now, what do I like tell them about myself? What makes me, me? And I think I needed to do that a little bit first before I really started to be okay with, okay, so this is me, you know, kind of looking around like, all right, (laughs) you know, like, so this is, so this is Shelly, the show we've all been waiting for. (laughs) This is her. 
And I think in that and in getting comfortable with myself, I finally really started to let go. To just let go. And all of these kind of intertwine together, right? So um, my, me embracing calm and stillness, which allows me to let go of anxiety, which allows me to let go of having control over everything which allows me to know and be okay with just playing, you know, um, with dancing in the kitchen to some stupid pop song or belting Frank Sinatra out with a glass of non-alcoholic wine in my kitchen. And you know, singing some song and the, you know, or like rapping some song from like high school, um, probably some Chris Brown song, <laughs> um, you know, in my, in my truck on the freeway, um, dancing, going dancing sober without like, the thought or the mission of like bringing someone home, but just like dancing. I get this a lot with the kids because they are constant reminders to me that their life is laughter, song, and dance they, that's it. Yeah. They go to school and they have homework and they have sports and, you know, some chores and things like that. But like 95% of their life is just laughter and song and dance. And so when they want to listen to a song, you know, turn it up in the car. And when they want to just kind of like have a little dance party in the room to just do it, you know, um, to just like sit and laugh with no thought on what I have to do next with no pesky thought in the back of my mind of like, we're really going to waste our time sitting on the couch right now laughing. Yes. Because if this were it, if someone told me that I had a month, a week, would I work? Nope. (laughs) I would definitely go into the office and I would meet with everyone and I would tell them, that they need to get their shit together and they need to start looking out for one another. That it's not just that we work in healthcare and it's not just that you need to be nice to play nice. It's that we're all just humans and we are all just doing the best that we can. So get your shit together and work with one another be open and be vulnerable and work with each other. And then I would quit. (laughs) And then I would 
just, I would just want to sit with my family and my friends and I would want to listen to every good song that I could possibly listen to. And I would want to laugh my ass off with my family and my friends. And I would want to dance. I'd want to dance with people I love. I'd want to dance with the kids. So I always try to remind myself of that. When I get wound up in what I think I should be wearing, what I think I should be looking like, what I think I should be saying, what I think I should be listening to. When I start to get into like control freak vibes, I try to remind myself that at the end of the day, what, what is, what is life if I'm not laughing, if I'm not loving, if I'm not dancing? So my dears, let me see if I missed anything. (laughs) I love this. Get going at the end of uh, this chapter for this guidepost. It says, dare to be goofy. Dance every day for five minutes. Make a CD of songs to sing along with in the car. Okay, so I guess, right, this is, (laughs) uh, make a Spotify playlist (laughs) of songs to sing along with in the car. Watch that funny TikTok video that makes you laugh every time. That is literally in this book, and I fucking love that. (sighs) So I'm going to leave you with with one little last section of this book. And I cannot wait for the next series, whatever I piece together from whatever book I'm reading next. So let me leave you with one thing. I love you so, so much. Thank you for listening. If you want any additional content, please reach out to me. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at remarkably underscore us. You can also check out my website, remarkablyus.com for some additional content. Here's my, here's my ending passage. Wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It's about cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I am unperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. Bye guys.